boys and girls and all God's children, as you can see, I brought a pillow along with me today. And I want to ask you to think about it as we prepare to hear another of Jesus' Beatitudes. Think about where and how we use pillows. Could be on the floor to sit on, could be on a footstool to put your legs up on, could be on the chair behind your back to make it stop hurting, could be in bed at night when you finally lay your head down and rest. And think about what it is that makes a pillow so nice. It's what's inside. It's the stuffing. It's the foam rubber or the feathers or the cotton or whatever is in it that makes it feel so good to put your leg there or your head there and to be able finally to close your eyes and be at peace. Peace is what we're talking about this morning. And peace doesn't come from pillows, but pillows can remind us of what it's like. It has to come from the inside. From the presence of God in us. Saying no matter what's happening around you, you still belong to me. I still hold you in my hands. You're still mine. And even at night, when frightening things are going on outside, you can put your head down and be at peace. Think about peace. And then think about it each time you see a pillow for the rest of the day and the rest of the week. The Word of God comes to us this morning from the epistle of James, first of all, James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes down from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The beatitude today is one that has just been referred to in that passage, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. There was a young soldier who was a Christian who had decided before enlisting 
that he would not let his activity interfere with his personal devotions. And he had those devotions every night, reading his Bible and then kneeling beside his bed to pray. The rest of the guys in the barracks snickered about it, made little jokes, said snide things about it. But one night, it passed the line. And while he was praying, somebody at the other end of the room took his boot and tossed it across the room and hit the young man square in the face. Everybody laughed out loud and secretly hoped that what they were going to see now was a good fight. But they didn't. There was no retaliation. And the next morning, the fellow who threw his boot woke up to a surprise when he found both his boots side by side next to his bed, neatly and in a shiny way polished. Peace costs, and sometimes costs dearly. It's not easy. Peace goes by many names, but it doesn't seem whatever people think peace is, that there is much of it in the world today. Will and Ariel Durant, in their massive history of Western civilization, six big books, two or three inches thick each, said that in the past 3,400 years of human history, only 260 of them have been without war. Peace may be the objective, but war is the constant. In this upside-down world, peace almost seems like an alternative reality. How are we going to live right-side-up the way Jesus wants us to in a world that is so upside-down? What is peace? Is it when the shouts of hostility stop? Is it when the venom of the hatred ends? Is it when the shooting is over? Is it when the protesters go home? Is it when the fires stop burning? Is it when people just start to forget what it was all about in the first place? Is it when the neighbors you can't stand finally move? Is it when the divorce is settled? Is it when the treaty is signed? Is it when the boss who doesn't like you retires? It's not an irrelevant question, is it? Blessed are the peacemakers. Happy. Oh, the happiness of the peacemakers. What is it they make? Here's how the Greeks thought of it. And it was into that kind of a world that Jesus spoke these words. The Greeks thought, whether you could fully attain it or not, real peace was finally ridding yourself of all desire and stealing yourself to get to the point where you wanted nothing. Not because you had everything, but because you had just learned deal without anything. And 
to treat people that way too and not care about them, not be affected by them, not be touched by them, not be concerned for them, to kill all care. Then you'd have peace. The Old Testament is just about exactly the opposite of that. Peace was a greeting you said to people as you met them. It still is. Shalom. That's not just quiet. It's not just the end of violence. It's not just a ceasefire. Peace, shalom, is not the absence of all feelings, but the presence of feelings like I was talking about a minute ago with that pillow. Quiet and rest and security and concern. Freedom from anxiety. The psalmist in Psalm 4, 8 said, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Shalom, peace, does not describe the elimination of relationships and connections to other human beings but the revitalization of them. Peace is not simply the absence of hate, but the presence of love. In the New Testament, the word peace appears 88 times, at least once, in every single New Testament book. It was a greeting in the New Testament era as well. Try to find a letter from the Apostle Paul to any church to whom he wrote that does not begin or have near its beginning the words grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. You can try for a long time because you'll never find a letter like that. Every one of his letters began with peace. It was as if Paul was saying, all you ever dreamed of to make your life secure, you have in Jesus, who is the source of our peace. The New Testament constantly reminds us of where peace comes from. It comes from faith. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Romans 15, 13. It comes from God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. It is a gift from Jesus Christ who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. John 14, 27. Peace in the New Testament is not the absence of relationships, but right relationships with other people. God has called us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, 15, God has called us to live in peace. And it is finally the reunion of people. And it is between people of differing races, differing genders, differing economic strata. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You're all one. One. And therefore at peace in Jesus Christ, Paul wrote to the Galatians. Peace describes the new relationship that must exist in the church. Let the peace 
of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. What rules in the church? What rules in the church is that each wants what's best for all the rest. Peace describes the relationship Christians ought to have to others, wherever they are. Make every effort, the writer to the Hebrews said, to live in peace with all and to be holy. And peace describes, not finally, but firstly, the relationship we ought to have and can have with God. Paul wrote to the Romans and said, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, peace is not the elimination of feelings or desires or the acquisition of self-sufficiency and indifference. It is living a healthy, happy, human, God-intended life. It's a right relationship between yourself and yourself. Between yourself and God, and between yourself and others. Blessed are the peacemakers. Happy are the peacemakers. Oh, the blessedness of the peacemakers. Now hear Jesus, and hear him well. He didn't say, blessed are the peace lovers. There's nothing wrong with loving peace, but just loving it isn't enough. He didn't say, blessed are the peace livers, those who have peace within themselves. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not enough. He said, blessed are the peace makers. Those who do all they can to right themselves and the world around them, trying to make both what God intended them to be. Frederick Bruner was a commentator who said the first four beatitudes you could call need beatitudes the next four you could call help beatitudes and then he said the need beatitudes engage us deeply with god the help beatitudes engage us deeply with people in the need beatitudes we are picked up from the earth in the help beatitudes we are thrown out into the world. One other commentator put it a bit more succinctly and bluntly. Get up, go ahead, do something, move, you peacemakers, for you will be called the children of God. And then R. Kent Hughes said this, and I think put it into a unique perspective the true peacemaker is not afraid of making waves. The peacemaker, think of this, the peacemaker is a fighter. He makes trouble to make peace. He wages peace. Most of that battle goes on within us to be and do and say what it is God wants us to say. Listen to God's word. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit 
through the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 3. Make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Romans 14, 19. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 12, 18. But the promise is significant too. I read it this morning from the NIV. They will be called the children of God. Literally, however, it says, they will be called the sons of God. Not in the masculine sense. It's a Hebrew idiomatic expression. If you were so much like a certain characteristic or a certain person even, you could be known as the son of so-and-so or the son of such-and-such. It's like you had part of the genetic structure of that person. It's like you revealed the characteristics of that person. Barnabas, a name we probably all know, is a name that means literally son of encouragement. Bar is son and Nabas is encouragement. What it tells you is that Barnabas was the kind of guy who was so encouraging, and everywhere we meet him in the New Testament, that's what he's doing, so encouraging, it was like encouragement was his dad, and he inherited it in his very genetic structure from his dad. To be a son of God is not to be male, necessarily. It is to be like God. It is to be godly. It is to exhibit the characteristics of God. It is to reveal the very nature of God in the way you behave and conduct yourself. The promise to those who are peacemakers is to be known as God's sons in that respect. Now listen to Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of that in the message. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Billy Graham, in his book, Unto the Hills, tells a short story about peace. Here it is. The sea was beating against the rocks in huge, dashing waves. The lightning was flashing. The wind was blowing. The thunder was roaring. But the little bird was asleep in the crevice of the rock, its head serenely under its wing, sound asleep. That's peace. To be able to sleep in the storm. In Christ we are relaxed and at peace in the midst of confusions, bewilderments, and perplexities of this life. The storm rages, but our hearts are at rest. We have found peace at last. You remember when Peter and John were imprisoned for preaching? It's like a huge storm blew into their lives. All they were doing was testifying about their master and their Lord, and they were thrown into jail for doing it. But as soon as they got out, 
They took it right up again. No matter how dangerous it was, no matter how big the storm, no matter how high the, the waves. And then we read these words in Acts 4, 13. When the court saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's the source of their peace. Perhaps this song ought to be our theme song. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Then we will truly have been found to be real peacemakers. And we will also be known as the children of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, our peace. Make us one, one with you, one with each other, and make our goal to find others to become one with us in belonging to you and imitating you and making peace like you and through you wherever we are. May we be the blessed peacemakers who are, in fact, the very children of God. Amen.